Netscope is a technology that is a security stack for the cloud. And Netscope secures data wherever it is, wherever it goes, protecting users uh, and making them work productively. So business agility drove uh, or drives uh, the digital transformation agenda. Part of digital transformation, there are two, two pieces to it. There's a cultural part, there's a part, organizational part, as well as the underlying technology. So cloud has become the main component of technology enabler for that business agility. Cloud is indeed a major part, and cloud is a blessing and a curse. It does allow us to move quickly. It does allow us to bring that agility to be able to onboard a new location. That's the blessing part. This is Siana TV. My name is Hendrik Deckers. I'm here today with Ilona Simpson, who is the CIO EMEA, a member of the strategy office at Netscope. A very warm welcome, Ilona. Hendrik, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having me here today. And I look forward to our conversation. Ilona, you're originally from Donetsk in Ukraine. You studied electrotechnics and psychology, and you started your career at Accenture. Uh, you then worked at Porsche, at DHL, at Aston Martin, and at Adidas, and you joined Netscope in January 2022. But tell us a little bit more about yourself, a bit more detail. What's your background really, and how did you arrive in this position? Uh, well, my background, uh, my career started in large-scale ERP implementations. Mm. Uh, SAP, SAP migrations from um, R2 to R3 back in the day. Uh, specialization in cost object controlling, so it was finance and controlling. Um, and Porsche was the employer number one, uh, one year in Germany. And mm -hmm. I quite enjoyed, uh, quite liked the idea of seeing what number one looks like from the inside. Mm -hmm. um, and I wrote the application to, uh, to HR. It was the speculative application. And it was, hey, I'm here. Uh, does anybody want me? I could do HR because that's what I studied. And I could do IT because that's what, I, what I've done. Um, would, you, would, you, would you like to have a conversation? And to my great surprise, I was invited to an interview and uh, was then offered, uh, offered a role uh, which became a process engineer. So I was process mm -hmm. engineer at Porsche, uh, looking at how to improve processes from R&D to manufacturing, supply chain, uh, and to retail network. Um, went into project management, program management, portfolio management. But at some point, and that was my pivot into the first CIO role, is when even by the time you are designing and shaping the portfolio, all the interesting decisions from my perspective then were already taken. And it's mm -hmm. which direction are we go, are we heading? Yeah. What are the strategic, what are the strategic priorities, etc.? So I decided to go for a uh, for an MBA. I did a global executive MBA, and during that time, uh, I um, I earned a promotion and became CIO of Porsche UK, which was okay. the third largest market for Porsche. Um, and uh, run fairly independently. And from then on, uh, I developed then uh, further into CIO roles. Okay. And so today you work at Netscope. For those of us who don't know Netscope yet, could you describe in, in a couple of sentences what is it that Netscope does really, really well? In plain language, mm -hmm. um, Netscope, uh, Netscope is a technology that is a security stack for the cloud. Mm -hmm. Um, and Netscope secures data wherever it is, wherever it goes, protecting users uh, and making them work productively. 
Okay, great. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But let's start our conversation with, with looking at what are the main challenges that organizations that you work with, uh, organizations that are member of CIONet, what are the main challenges that they are facing today, uh, according to you? Well, the main challenges, and I can also say from first-hand perspective, I've been with mm -hmm. Netscope, as you mentioned, for a few months. Uh, so I've been a CI in, in CIO level roles myself up until very recently. Um, we've been talking about business agility. Uh, mm -hmm. And business agility is by no means an esoteric term. It's, it's something that is very tangible, that's expressed through how long does it take us to go through an M&A transaction? Mm -hmm. uh, what does it mean to, to stand up a manufacturing plant or a supply chain uh, change? Um, how long does it take us to onboard our customers, vendors, etc.? So business agility drove uh, or drives uh, the digital transformation agenda. Mm -hmm. And part of digital transformation, there are two, two pieces to it. There's a cultural part, there's an organizational part, as well as the underlying technology. So cloud has become the main component of technology enabler for that business agility. Yeah. So let's maybe, because you're a psychologist, you're, uh, you study psychology, <laughs> let's maybe dive a little bit into the cultural aspects of, of transformation. I mean, you worked in, uh, at Adidas and DHL and so on. So how do you look at that, that angle of transformation? What is it that companies need to focus on culture-wise, people-wise, when they go to a transformation? If I, was, um, if, if, if I was to express it more in a structural way, mm -hmm. yeah, because the structure brings, uh, brings with it the culture, it's where, where, where is decision-making happening mm -hmm. in organization? Yeah. Is, is, is it within the functional areas? Uh, mm -hmm. We sometimes call them silos. They are, they're just different disciplines. Yeah. Uh, is it top-down or is decision-making based on where, uh, where the expertise is? Yeah, so that, 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 that cultural transformation, yes, we can talk about it's, it's empowered people, uh, it's, uh, it's autonomous teams. They're never autonomous, it's semi-autonomous. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if everyone was autonomous in a bigger corporation, then we would know that would be herding cats. That doesn't work, yeah? By giving more autonomy and delegating that decision-making, uh, it's about enterprise working more as a network and not as a, as a, as a linear structure. Okay. And the technology part of, of transformation, I mean, cloud is a major thing in there. So, so tell me a little bit, how do you look at the, the role of cloud in, in digital transformation? Cloud is indeed a, a major part and cloud is a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we have gone through an evolution of uh, moving towards cloud as, um, and some of the recent examples are quite impressive when a company, utilities, com utilities giant like E.ON in Germany um, mm -hmm. have declared that they are moving to cloud strategy. Mm -hmm. yeah? So they're moving all their applications to, towards cloud. So cloud has, has, uh, has come a long way. We have um, an average uh, large enterprise has about two and a half thousand um, applications uh, in the cloud. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. We have over 60% of our data is in the cloud uh, and over half of the knowledge workers of the ones who, uh, who really carry uh, the intellectual property, uh, the knowledge of the processor systems, etc. Uh, of, mm -hmm. of companies, over half of them are in the cloud. Yeah. And you call it the uh, blessing? And why do you call it the blessing? 
I call it a blessing because it does allow us to move quickly. It does allow us to, 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 uh, to, to, to bring that agility mm -hmm. to be able to onboard like a, a, a new location. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, yes, that's the blessing part. Okay. But you also call it a I curse. <laughs> so what's the curse part of cloud? Yeah. Because I mean, we're I, all I going, I, I, I think for many organizations, the end state is that we're going to go 100% cloud or 95% cloud. And even large organizations like I say, I may, I may be halfway there. And if they also put their ERPs in the cloud, we're going to be there at 70, 80, 90% pretty soon for many organizations. But it's not, it's not the ideal world. It's, uh, it needs to be managed and so on, right? So uh, where is the curse of the cloud? Uh, the curse of the cloud is a governance part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a governance, risk management and control part of it. Uh, with the number of applications growing, uh, majority of them uh, or significant, let me put a significant number of those um, not governed by the technology functions, by the mm -hmm. IT departments. Yeah. So, and, and, and they then present um, a risk surface. Yeah. Um, how, how are they controlled? Is, uh, how do we protect uh, data law from data laws? Um, yeah. How do we protect from ransomware entering, entering the organization, etc.? Okay. So what you're saying is we, uh, we come 10, 20 years ago from a world that you know very well where you had your standard SAP or ERP and everything, 90% of the business was in there. And now we have, we're back on the other side of the pendulum and there's 2,500 applications all in different clouds around, around the globe, different uh, managed not only by IT, but by business units itself. So, so keeping that secure, keeping that uh, compliant is, is a major task. So It's a major task, yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's, um, let's talk about that, that technology stack and, and that security stack that is necessary to, uh, to manage just such a vast collection of, of cloud applications. Uh, maybe if we start with that, that emergence of cloud mm -hmm. um, has surfaced a bottleneck um, and a bottleneck was indeed in security. And yep. what's traditional security approach within the within within the walls uh, of mm -hmm. the uh, of the of the of the company campus? Yeah. Yeah. Within within the perimeter, uh, the traditional security approach was we had a user um, and uh, we had a device. We knew whether whether user is uh, is part of the company and whether device is uh, is is, is uh, part of the company. Uh, and then there was a destination app, and it was fa fairly. Um, binary. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a yes or no. Yeah. Now, with uh, and the, the traditional security was also based on an implicit trust. So mm -hmm. if there was a device that was known and a user that was known, implicitly it was trusted. Yeah. And the premise trust by verifying. Um, with the emergence of cloud, with the, with the uh, surgence of zero trust principles, Mm -hmm. uh, that reverse the whole thing, and it's now verify then trust. Yeah, not trust, but verify, but verify then trust. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also a principle of assume breach, and work from there. Okay. So it put it put it put a different a different paradigm brought brought forward a different paradigm. Zero trust is then. Um, expressed through a kind of as, as, as a strategy and principles that translated into the architecture, which is called SASE, which is translated into uh, into a technology stack, 
So there's security as a service, a network as a service, and then security as a service, again, has, has components to protect your web, to protect your applications, um, et cetera. So um, that's the kind of bigger picture from no. uh, on, 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 on a uh, zero trust security. So zero trust is really uh, a set of principles and it's a strategy. Um, and, and so where does Netscope fit in, in into, this, in, into this picture of zero trust? As every strategy is translated into some architectural principles. Mm -hmm. yeah? For zero trust, those principles are expressed as secure access service edge. Mm -hmm. um, and it's nothing different but uh, two major components is security as a service and network as a service. Okay. Um, within security as a service, uh, zero, tr kind of zero, zero trust um, as, as, as a whole is, uh, is expressed through uh, four major components okay. and it's zero trust net network access, it's um, cloud security, it's web browsing security and it's uh, prevention of data loss. So and Ilona in, um, in that framework let's say in that context what is it that make, uh, makes Netscope unique? How does Netscope differentiate itself from, from, from other security platforms and services? Um, Net, Netscope's interpretation of zero trust mm -hmm. is our solution is uh, continuous, adaptive, and context-aware. Mm -hmm. uh, what Netscope is able to detect is when we look at movement of data, um, is, data is, is data moving between your company's OneDrive and personal OneDrive, for example? Yeah, mm -hmm. that instance awareness, the granularity, yeah. uh, and uh, that, that's, uh, that's um, one, of the, one of the use cases. Uh, looking at um, user behavior analytics, uh, has, has the user been over time, and using uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, um, over time, uh, users have a certain pattern uh, of, of activity. Uh, is there a spike in that pattern? Is someone, is someone unusually starts, uh, starts downloading um, thousands of files where, where all their colleagues are downloading about 10, 15, um, and they used to do the same? So mm -hmm. is there any unusual activity there? Uh, is the, um, is, is where, where is the application uh, that they're trying to access? Remember the 2,500 that are out there? Yeah. Um, a SaaS is not equal SaaS. Some of them are very secure and, and, and have high degree of confidence. Um, some others are less so. Yeah. So is the user trying to access um, application that is not, uh, is, is, uh, is, is, uh, not very, very secure, very, very, uh, where we don't have the confidence um, in, in that application? application? Mm -hmm. um, is, the user, uh, is the user accessing a website uh, that uh, may be, uh, may, may, may be um, dangerous? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how can we um, how can we prevent the user from interacting with a website uh, that that could be a source of uh, of threat? Okay. And so Netscope calls itself uh, data centric, cloud smart, yeah. and fast. What do these three components or these three uh, keywords really mean? We're exceptionally good at securing data. Mm -hmm. uh, securing data as well as um, helping organizations with GDPR compliance. Mm -hmm. uh, we secure data wherever it is and wherever it goes. Mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. uh, as well as the users, uh, wherever they are, whether it's internal user, external user, um, and, and uh, have very, very high granularity on how we secure that. Okay. Um, Cloud-centric, um, as, as, as uh, you mentioned, Netscope is a cloud uh, security company. Mm -hmm. So we help companies uh, move their and, and fast track their cloud adoption agenda uh, through modern technology to, to, um, to safeguard that trans transformation. Yep. Um, and smart through usage of machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, we're using a whole set of tools, um, including um, user coaching uh, to, to, to make um, people better digital citizens, mm -hmm. to encourage that uh, good, good, good behavior, digital behavior um, yeah. with um, coaching um, and educating. Okay. Now, you've joined company in January 2022. What is, what is today really your role? I mean, you're part of the strategy office and, and CIO EMEA. So what is it that the strategy office does and, and, so, and, and what is your role in there? As the name suggests, strategy office, <laughs> strategy office uh, takes care of the strategy. Mm -hmm. um, my personal role has two elements. There's a content and a product-centric element to it. Um, I come from automotive uh, and, and have a strong DNA in manufacturing industrial context. Yeah. Uh, so my, the part, part of what I do is, uh, is, is related to that um, aspect of, uh, uh, of, of my expertise. Um, another part is um, helping our customers get the most out of, uh, of Netscope suite. Mm -hmm. Um, being executive sponsor for customers, uh, helping them on a journey to, um, towards the uh, zero trust and raising awareness in general public about the importance of zero trust, looking at how can we as CIOs, what's our understanding of, uh, of cybersecurity and how can we raise uh, the awareness for cybersecurity. Yeah. So in your view, I mean, you've been in, in several uh, roles, CIOs and in, in large, CIO in large organizations. How has the way that the CIO looks at security changed over the last 10 years, let's say? Because I, I remembered 10, 15 years ago, security, well, we have a department for that. We have somebody for that. And, <laughs> and today, I think it's, it's very much on top of the agenda of the CIO, if not the CEO. So, so what's your view on that? You're, you've, you are in there, you've, uh, you are in that role. How has that changed uh, over the last decade? Well, it's dramatically, hasn't it? Um, mm -hmm. And indeed, um, Hendrik, what you're saying, I can, I can totally relate to it. My first action as a global CIO of a um, car manufacturer, global car manufacturer, uh, was to employ a CISO. Yeah. <laughs> and, to, uh, and, and, and to get experts uh, to, to, to take care of the topic. Um, mm -hmm. And where it has evolved now, it's uh, vulnerability is on, on CIO's agenda, uh, governance, risk management, um, and compliance is part of mm -hmm. the CIO agenda, and, and cybersecurity topics, if uh, yeah. it's, it's application security, it's user security, etc. So it's very much an integral part uh, of CIO agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, and regardless of whether CISO, so whether cybersecurity is part of the CIO function or not, yeah. uh, they, they, do, they do absolutely need to join forces uh, to drive, uh, to jointly uh, drive the security agenda of, of any transformation. Yeah. So does the CISO role, does it need 
to, um, to be governed or managed by the CIO or is it better to have the CISO outside of IT? What's your view on that? <laughs> um, outside of IT. Outside of <laughs> IT, okay. Yeah. And why is yeah. that? Uh, I've, I've, see, I've, I've seen both, I've, I've mm -hmm. seen both constellations. Um, if a CISO is part of IT, then you are, you're asking the governance function to report into, <laughs> into, uh, in, into, in, in, into, into the, uh, the operating function. So mm -hmm. um, it's the importance, the level of conversations and a dialogue that CISOs are involved in uh, that shifts dramatically with the reporting line. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's CISO, uh, CISOs have the opportunity to educate their own boards, to, uh, to, 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 to get, uh, get closer involvement of boards into the topics uh, without becoming too technical. And in my view, CISOs and CIOs are peers. They should okay. be peers. So the CISOs should not report into the CFO then or the COO and should be on the same level as, as, as the other CISOs? Could be. Could could be a chief risk officer mm -hmm. um, or a com chief compliance officer. So that's um, that could be a way or chief operating officer. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the role of the CIO. Uh, we we know that uh, security, cybersecurity, zero trust, and so on has become top of of his agenda nowadays. What else? When you talk to your clients and and, and your peers uh, of of CIOs. What else do you see that is top of mind of CIOs nowadays? Talent shortage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Getting good people uh, mm -hmm. is, uh, is a challenge. Yeah. And an interesting, a, a curious fact is that, uh, I don't know whether you knew it, but I learned recently that uh, the most uh, learned language these days is which? Uh, I've got not Chinese. No, it's not, <laughs> not Chinese, not English, it's Python. <laughs> Python is the, is the single most learned language. So we have, we have people entering workforce who are digitally very, very savvy, mm -hmm. yeah? who, who, who know computing, who probably have learned coding. We have yeah. platforms that are, that are available, um, but they, they usually go into business functions. It's marketing or it's manufacturing or it's something else. So they, yeah. uh, it's, it's the very technologically savvy uh, workforce uh, that, that we have in a business. Mm -hmm. And how do we attract people into the technology functions? Um, how, do we, um, how do we compete in a, in a, in a, in a most uh, positive way possible uh, with the technology companies uh, who are very attractive yeah, for, um, for, for people who are starting their journeys uh, or who are wanting to develop further. So Ilona, next to security and to talent shortages, what are the, the other main challenges that you see on the CIO's agenda nowadays? CIOs are now having the challenge or the opportunity, I'd call it opportunity, uh, to drive that cultural transformation mm -hmm. that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And a cultural transformation towards product-led organizations, towards organizations that are no longer aggregating the decision-making to, to, to within a hierarchy, uh, but who are structured based on products, uh, interconnected, um, as a, operating as a network where 
the product owners are the ones who are designing the strategy architecture, who are surrounded by people to support them with cybersecurity, with vendor management, with all the supporting, uh, supporting functions. So Ilona, now you, uh, January 2022, you join Netscope, you come from an industry background, manufacturing background, and now you're in a high-tech software company. So let's talk about, was that a culture shift for you? And, and, and how do you experience, how do you thrive in a, such an environment? It was a true culture shift, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, moving from, uh, from fairly static. We all go, we all say we're going through transformation and it always is, but in a big scheme of things, it's rather, it's rather incremental evolution. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen big companies moving, kind of uh, uh, pivoting uh, their entire business models and 40,000 employees worldwide and whatsoever uh, to, different, uh, to, to, to different horizons, where a technology, Netscope as a technology company, Netscope as a leader in their, in, in, in their sector, mm -hmm. um, is what stands out to me is, is highly purpose-driven. Yeah? Uh, we are securing the organizations. We are securing people in those organizations. We are yeah. securing the data and protecting those. So this is a, there's a very, there's a very um, high degree on, on, on what, what does purpose mean mm -hmm. uh, and how it aligns with your values. Uh, there's an element of um, it's a technology, technology evolves and technology develops. We know changes very, very fast. Yep. So now the organization is, is used to a very, it's a very different pace. It's, uh, it's a place where between a board decision and implementation, um, it will take two months. Where in a traditional organization, what I've seen firsthand, it will yep. be six, nine months uh, or, or sometimes over a year. So that's, that's, uh, that's the main. And the culture, it's a very flat hierarchy. Um, it's a um, different, different way of making decisions, degree of autonomy, um, and, and, and um, also the level of, uh, the level of change um, as well as growth. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about you. I mean, um, you've managed large teams, you have led uh, large teams uh, in, in, uh, uh, in the past. So let's talk a little bit about your leadership style. And, and so, um, when, when you're a CIO, when you're leading the, the, the strategy or you're helping to lead the strategy in your company, uh, leadership is very important, even more important than, than the management style, I would say. So if I would go back to your previous teams in, uh, in, in Adidas or in DHL, what do you think that people would say about your leadership style? How do you think you are perceived as a, as, as a leader? Inclusive, mm -hmm. to start with. <laughs> Um, I do set high targets, uh, ambitious um, and supportive. Okay. And I think one lesson I learned from myself uh, fairly early in a day is that um, any change that we drive as leaders, uh, it's not us executing it. We, 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 we drive change through people. So, and, 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 and the, way, the way to align people, the way for organization to follow a strategy uh, is to, for, for, for the employees, for the teams to understand the, the value, uh, to align on the purpose 
um, and to see to, to see that purpose also in line with with their with their own values and purpose. Yeah. And when you say inclusive, that that inclusivity yeah. is important for you. Can you give an example what that means? Uh, that means that uh, if uh, I, I give you an example of a strategic collaboration mm -hmm. uh, between two large organizations, um, and uh, we had a group of people who were heading up the um, IT work stream. Mm -hmm. uh, and on that group of people were the directors. And, and um, I brought in the head of, uh, the head of help desk because they, they needed to be involved. So mm -hmm. who are the people, who are the ones uh, who are carrying the load? Who are the ones uh, who, who, who have valuable input? So it's, it's not about how do, we, how do we structure it so that the right, the right positions in a, in a hierarchy are, are taken into account, mm -hmm. but who, who, who is the team regardless of where they sit in the organization? And how do we create that, um, that culture, if you wish, where every voice is exactly the same. Now, Ilona, you're clearly a very driven professional, very driven leader. Um, and, and, and I know you travel around Europe and, and around the, uh, the globe a lot, but if at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the week you come home, what needs to have happened so that you are a happy person and a happy professional? Do I reflect on a week um, and say, it, it made a change. Mm -hmm. uh, I've contributed. Uh, have, I, has, have the conversations that I had um, had an impact? Mm -hmm. that's, probably the, uh, that's probably the major, the major one. Ilona, you shared with us that your MBTI profile is that you are an entertainer, an ESFP. And these are extroverted, observant, feeling, prospecting uh, personalities. And these people typically love vibrant experiences. They engage in life eagerly. They take pleasure in discovering the unknown. And they can be very social, encouraging others to sh into shared activities. So I'm going to name a couple of the typical strengths of people with the ESFP uh, personality. And you tell me which one uh, you can, which ones you can relate most to. And maybe give an example of that. So people with an ES ESFP personality, they tend to be bold. They tend to be original, aesthetic and showmanship is important. They're very practical, observant and have excellent people skills. So where does that relate to who you are? And can you talk a little bit about that? Um, maybe I'd, I pick um, bold and practical. Okay. <laughs> and it's sometimes... <clears throat> So I was brought in into one, one of the CIO roles um, and the mandate was uh, to get a um, large-scale ERP implementation over the finish line. Mm -hmm. um, having, um, and everybody was saying, uh, we've never been in a better shape. Um, having had first conversations with the team and looking at understanding what was happening, the project was uh, delayed by significant um, um, period of time and was over budget already by significant amount, um, I decided to uh, step back and do a proper due diligence. So code review, uh, independent review of the health of the system, uh, what's the quality of, uh, of elements of ERP that's, that have been delivered, and what do we need to complete? So it was three weeks of hell, uh, a bit of boldness, 
um, and, and, uh, and probably an element of people being, being good with people. Uh, we were a few who were having those intense weeks. Um, and going back to the board uh, with a recommendation to stop, to roll back the implementation uh, and go back, go back onto previous system and ch change the agenda. So mm -hmm. um, the practicality perspective is you need to understand what, what, what the bottom line is. What, what are the total costs of uh, delivery of ownership? Yeah, and, and understand, um, and, and understand what's, uh, what, what's it made of. Uh, the boldness to say, you know, you asked me to do X, dear board, um, I'm coming you and say this is actually the, 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 right, the, right, uh, the right thing to do. Um, and bringing people on board uh, to, to execute. Yeah. Okay. Now, the flip side of your personality is that some people with this personality type, they can be uh, too sensitive, they can sometimes be conflict averse, they can be easily bored, poor term, long term planners and sometimes unfocused. So nobody's perfect, so you must recognize some of this and, 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 and so which ones do you recognize and how do you overcome these, um, these potential weaknesses? Um, from the practical perspective, uh, I would be, I'd be sitting down and doing the long term planning uh, just by scheduling time in a diary uh, mm -hmm. and, and reviewing it. Um, a par another part of it is uh, when you look at strategy, it's always a long-term plan. So from mm -hmm. the content perspective, a long-term plan is always there. Uh, where I say I don't do long-term plans is I don't book my holidays one year in advance. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> or, or when my husband and I go sailing, we, we go off. Yeah, so we, we, uh, we, we, we go with the winds and, and, and mm -hmm. are less driven by, by the agenda. An interesting thing, though, is that the last time I took the MBTI test, uh, it was very different. It was the, the typical executive mm -hmm. who struggled with, uh, you know, kind of the, with, um, yeah, how, how do you relax and, 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 and um, being stubborn and, and, and pushing the agenda. So I think part of my personal evolution was also to, uh, to go a bit more away from thinking and judging to, uh, to feeling and prospecting, yeah, okay. to be more kind of more, more open-minded, yeah. So let's go in this leadership deep dive. Let's dive a little bit deeper. And, uh, and let's talk about what, and we talked about what drives you, about, about your personality. Let's talk about your core values. Uh, you shared with us that you have, um, you have a family, you have two boys, 10 and 12 years old. They must be adorable at that age. So what are the, <laughs> what are the values that you are passing on to your boys? How do you want to see them grow up? What are the core values that are important uh, for you? Be respectful to yourself and to people around you. Mm -hmm. um, being authentic. Mm -hmm. uh, and don't be afraid to be the odd one out. Okay. Were you the odd one out? <laughs> Maybe uh, a personal well, question, I... but... <laughs> Yes, yes, I was. Imagine a Ukrainian coming to Germany at the age of 21, not speaking a word of German. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, start, start, starting a university course and then being being kind of the, the only psychologist in the IT team, uh, being being the only woman somewhere, etc. So there, there are so many situations, but that being the odd one out that teaches us uh, teaches us resilience, teaches us. 
yeah. you know, uh, how to be a how to be versatile, how to be adaptive, mm -hmm. um, and how to grow. Ilona, do you have a personal mantra, a saying that guides you in your life? Um, I learned it from a friend of mine a few years back, mm -hmm. and it's act as if success is inevitable. Mm -hmm. uh, and before that, I had a very different mantra, <laughs> uh, and I can share that with you as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, from a very famous racing driver, who once said, if everything's under control, you are not driving fast enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that shows your ambition, I can imagine, right? So let's reflect a little bit on, on your personal, professional life. Uh, we all have amazing things that happen to us. I mean, you came from Ukraine to Germany to London. Now you have a global world. Uh, so you've... you've You've had a lot of great things, hap uh, good things happen to you. But looking back, what is maybe one of the, the really um, bad things, worst thing that has ever happened to you? And how did you overcome that? And what did you learn from it? Um, can I think of a one worst thing? Um, well, I found that in my life, life throws curveballs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> life, life just throws uh, curveballs your way. Uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way we don't expect, or I didn't expect. And um, what I've done in those situations is looking for what's, uh, what choices do I have? Mm -hmm. So um, I had my kids uh, kind of, uh, yeah, uh, they, they are now at the adorable age of 10 and 12. So, um, and, I, and, I, and I left my role. Yeah, and, and, then, and then how do I go back into work? It was a struggle. Yeah, how do I go back to corporate world? But whilst I was looking for a corporate role, um, I joined a startup to build the operations. I insourced, you know, grew, grew, grew the software team from six to 27, um, have met many startups, invested in startups, mentored startups, yeah. Uh, then looking at the kind of time between Aston Martin and E.ON in the, utility, the utilities company in Germany, um, I worked with private equity firm, uh, worked with venture capital, etc. So it's looking at how do you, how do you fill those, those, those gaps um, or even looking at the pandemic. Uh, my, husband, my husband has had to give up his business um, and I knew that due to a takeover of a company I was working for, uh, my, my days were counted. So it's, it's, it's almost like we have, we have a family to feed. Um, and it's a very foreseeable, in a very foreseeable future, uh, mm -hmm. it is looking very unstable. Yeah, very unstable for us. So, and again, how, how, do, you, um, how, how, do, you, how do you use that? Um, and the blessing out of that is that my husband stayed with the kids. Uh, we were able to, to do the homeschooling that way, uh, whilst I focused on a, uh, on, on, on a corporate career. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, and what are the, what is maybe the best thing that has ever happened to you? The best thing is I haven't, I don't know, being born. <laughs> uh, so far, it's, all, it's always the last thing that, that, that's the best, isn't it? I think uh, joining Netscope is a great, uh, is, 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 is a fantastic opportunity mm -hmm. for me to, uh, to learn a lot, to contribute. Um, yeah. In your career, Ilona, were there important mentors or important coaches or important leaders, important figures, people that you look up to and learned a lot from? Uh, yes, there are two. There are two. Uh, one of them is Melissa Di Donato. Mm -hmm. She's the CEO of SUSE. SUSE is the 
uh, the open source technology company. Um, and uh, the other one is uh, Sigrid Nikuta, who is the uh, member of the board of the German um, rail, uh, cargo railway um, company. Okay, and what did you learn from them? What, uh, how did, uh, why do you look up, uh, up to them or how did they help you? Uh, it's, um, it's a strength, it's resilience. Mm -hmm. um, it's the way they engage, it's, it's the way they, uh, they engage with people, uh, with topics um, and the, the obstacles they have overcome. Um, I find both very inspirational. Uh, and funny enough, both are in a very, both are quite exotic and you can say odd ones out. Uh, Melissa studied um, languages and, uh, and, and studied something uh, very different to technology. Mm -hmm. And she was, uh, she, she was with um, SAP, with Salesforce, etc. So she has a very long, uh, very long and very successful uh, technology career. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Dr. Nikuta, um, again, she studied psychology. Yeah, and then she was, and then she was the uh, the first um, CEO of a public transport company in Germany, in Berlin, who turned it into from from. Uh, red figures into blacks, yeah. Okay. So who actually turned around the company to be profitable mm -hmm. uh, for the first time. So it's that edge, and it's that it's not even going an extra mile. It's taking it's taking organizations on a journey that they, they they've never been before. Yeah. Uh, in in your life, professional life or personal life, what is it that you fear most? What is it that you love most? I can't deal with loneliness. I, don't, I, don't, I, I probably part of part of being an extrovert is 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 uh, this. Uh, I, I get the energy from from interactions with people, from uh, from helping people, um, from from exchange and sharing. Uh, that's kind of the lifeline. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I hear most is the opposite of that. Um, and uh, what I love most uh, is um, is. Helping, contributing is uh, shaping, uh, driving, making a difference probably to, to summarize it. Last question for today, Ilona, is these videos that are watched by very ambitious um, digital leaders of the future. And so what would your advice be? What have you learned that you can advise them to be as successful as you are and to, to uh, follow in your footsteps? Take people with you on a journey. Mm -hmm. You're only as good as your teams. You're only as good as you understand the priorities of the business, uh, the pain points uh, of, uh, of your organization, of the market, uh, of the society, um, and the needs, um, priorities, and, 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 and sense of purpose and values um, of, of your team. And on that note, Ilona, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. Uh, and I look forward to meeting you soon in real life. Thank you so much. Thank you, Hendrik. It was a pleasure.